It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Good Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com podcast, presented by our friends at Smoky Mountain Organics, East Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store, focusing on natural products and organic remedies for a variety of ailments. That's Smoky Mountain Organics. Four locations to serve you in East Tennessee, three in Sevier County, one in Knoxville, down on Kingston Pike, just down from West Town Mall. And uh, obviously, you can also check them out online at SmokyMountainOrganics.com. Plenty to get to, plenty to get to in this podcast. Rob Lewis is with us. Ben McKee also joining us as Austin Price is on uh, vacation with the fam, finishing up some spring break festivities. He'll join us later in the week. But uh, guys, thanks for uh, being a part of the podcast. Plenty to get to in, in this edition, obviously regarding Tennessee basketball. Uh, Rob, you've covered this program a long time. J- just your thoughts on the fact that Tennessee uh, got over that hump and, and finally won an SEC tournament championship. Yeah, it was weird. I mean, you said it. I've been doing it a long time. I didn't know what the protocol was after the game yesterday. You know, how long is how long is it going to be before they're in the media room? How long are they out on the court getting done nets? So uh, yeah, I had to I had to like ask, ask some questions. But I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was a pretty big deal, and I thought you know what Mike Keith wrote for us really summed it up. I mean, I think it's kind of a generational thing, um, you know, for old Tennessee fans that that really grew up on basketball, you know, that era. You're 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 kind of there too, Hubbard. But I mean, there was a there was a pretty good run there when basketball was a lot more fun to follow than, than football. If you were growing up in this area as a Tennessee fan, um, you know, until Johnny got it going, and um, I think for people in, in that generation, really resonated with him. I know that there were a lot of you know season ticket holders that I routinely see and have gotten to know a little bit that that I I, I was around some in Tampa and and they they were tickled. I mean, they, it was a it was a big weekend for for a lot of those people. You both have followed this team all year long. Why Why did this team, in my opinion, play their best three-game stretch of basketball in, in Tampa? Why has this team gotten better uh, over the course of the year the, the way that they have? Rob, I'll start with you. Well, I mean, I think the, the defense is stupid good right now. I mean, it doesn't make for great highlight reels. And, you know, it's not, a, not as a lot of fun to talk about. But, man, I mean, they're – what is it now? 11. I think it's 11 of the last 13 people they played. They've held them to 68 points or fewer. Um, and that, and that includes Kentucky twice. Um, Kentucky was the best shooting team in the sec, uh, almost right, right at almost 50%. They shot 34% the last two games against Tennessee. Um, you know, they've gotten better at scoring. There's no, there's no, no denying that. I mean, they are, they've clearly improved in that department. Um, but I, I, I would start with defense, and I would also start um, – I would also add that you've got – you know, Rick's playing a lot of freshmen. I mean, he's playing three freshmen, big minutes. Um, and Kennedy, Zakai, and Brandon was, you know, 18 to 22 this weekend. And I think all of those kids are, are really growing up, maturing, uh, and it's just – it's definitely not too big for them. Yeah, and I would just add, because Rob hit the nail on the head there, it's been a culmination of things, but I would add that the the leadership has changed. And I know that's been Rick's one big talking point the last 24 to 36 hours of uh, fielding questions on what changed with this basketball team. But I, I truly believe that that has been the main reason why they've gotten it turned around and uh, are playing their best basketball entering the NCAA tournament. I, I think it was Rob who said on the podcast, he can correct me if I'm wrong, but said it 
a month or so ago or after the Kentucky loss in Lexington that uh, he had heard that it was Jemai Makeshack that was kind of talking in the locker room after the game. And then Rick Barnes to the press says that it's Urosh, Plavshik, and, and Jemai as, as well. That's kind of the, the voice of the team. And when you're two and three in SEC play and you don't hear Josiah or Santi or Folky as, as the key guys that are leaders out of Rick Barnes' mouth, I mean, that's so concerning. And, and that has completely changed. I mean, you saw on Sunday when – Folky messed up somehow. I, I think it might have been a bad turnover. But, I mean, Josiah Jordan-James just kind of throwing his hands up in the air and kind of like, what are you doing, dude? Like, get it together. And you just did not see that at the beginning of the year. So it, it's a culmination of things. The defense is rock solid, as Rob talked about. Guys are finally starting to hit shots. Uh, Josiah Jordan-James looks as great as he's ever looked because he is starting to, to hit shots. Kennedy Chandler's been so different since the Texas game. Uh, but I, I think the biggest thing is the the leadership and them finally holding each other accountable. I know it's kind of the coaching cliche thing to discuss, but I, I really think that's been the case and, and been the difference is that they are holding each other accountable now. But Rob, is this, I mean, is this a situation where Josiah did take the, the, the reins and, and just, I mean, I, I know everybody leaned on him, but he, he missed some games early in the year because he was injured. I mean, is this, truly become kind of his team and, and his he's the he's the extension of, of Rick Barnes on the floor. And I know there's other parts, but has that part of his role with this team been as significant as his growth offensively has been for this team in terms I mean, of success? I think it's been big. And I, I mean I, and I think it is I mean I don't know if I would say it's his team, but he he is the most respected voice in the locker room. And he's been that way really for for a long time, in my opinion. He's just now gotten more you know, Josiah would be the guy that, you know, if Rick's just absolutely railing somebody in practice, you know, he'll be, he'll, he'll be the first guy that goes over and, you know, you know, says, hey, you know, coach, coach gets upset. That's how, that's how, you know, don't take it personally. You know, Josiah has always been the guy that will go try to, you know, pick up a teammate or something. I think he's just gotten really more comfortable this year in, you know, sometimes being the bad guy. You know, bad guy is probably a strong word, but, you know, hey, Hey man, we can't take that shot there. You know, we can't, you, you can't, you can't shoot that ball with, you know, 20 seconds left of the shot clock, you know, and he's, he has just gotten so much, so much more comfortable holding other guys accountable. And I, and I, I do think it's a big deal. For, for both of you guys. I mean, Rick Barnes is playing more players than he typically plays. This is a deeper bench, Rob, than I think we thought it would be, or certainly you thought it would be early in the year. I know it's by committee in the post, but, but he is playing two point guards, um, until, you know, until they get to that final stretch where they play them both on the, on the court together. Has the depth and the fact that he's playing more players helped this team out physically more than previous teams? Because I know we've talked about this, Rob, before. I mean, Rick borders on the, 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 you know, how far do you push them and they become dead leg during the season. Has the fact that he's playing more players, has that helped this team that way? Yeah, I think it – I mean, I, I think that they are – you know, knock on wood for their sake. But I mean, I think they're healthier. I think, you know, they got that. I mean, they've had great luck with injuries outside of Olivier. Now that, that is significant. Don't get me wrong. They lost a starter, but you know, you not had guys out of the lineup for two or three games or, you know, having to work and try to get back and, you know, maybe something lingers. Um, So I think that's, uh, I think that's a good observation Hubbard, that they are playing you know, more guys in defined roles. And, you, you know, you still have, you know, V.J. Bailey, who might come in and get one minute, 
you know, in, in, at the end of the first half for Jemai Meshack. Um, Justin Powell, he didn't play at all on Sunday, I don't think, did he? Mm-mm. No, did not did not play a minute. And so, I mean, it's a it's a deep bench, and it can, you know, it can get it can be really deep on some nights if Rick wants it to. Yeah, and he's yeah, sure. I, I, go ahead, Ben. I, I was just gonna say, I, I think it kind of goes back to not having that one guy that you can rely on. You don't have that Grant Williams that you can throw it to on the block and go make something happen for you, get to the free throw line, make a big bucket, or you don't have Admiral uh, or Lamonte who's willing to step up and hit that big shot or, or take that big shot. I should say it's very much by committee. And I, I think that's a good thing for this bunch. Uh, at the beginning of the season, it was kind of a concern, but uh, I, I think this team, although Kennedy and Santi and Josiah and Zakai to a certain extent have kind of taken over the team. And, and it, it's very much uh, as they go, the team goes, in my opinion, they they have had to kind of force feed others into roles. And if the whole team's not playing well, then they're, they're not going to have success because there's not one guy that Grant Williams, when the whole team's playing poorly at Vanderbilt on the road, Grant Williams can drop in 40 points and go to the free throw line a million times and, and make up for everybody else's mistakes. So I, I think this team has kind of had to be deep just by nature. And it's been a talking point, but where would Tennessee be? Would Tennessee have won the SEC tournament if Olivier didn't go down due to that injury? Because it forced Rick to have to play Brandon and Jonas, and, and they have gotten so much better since then. They probably don't impact the SEC tournament this weekend um, the way that they did if Olivier doesn't get hurt. It stinks for Olivier that he wasn't able to get out there and play in the SEC title, but uh, it probably helped Tennessee in the long run. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Brandon's just getting better, you know, just in front of in, in front of your eyes every almost every minute he's on the court. He still makes mistakes. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, he he's certainly playing, you know, significantly better each time he goes to to the court. It feels like, uh, you know, Rob, this is a team that maybe doesn't have that go to guy, but over the weekend the go to guy was Kennedy Chandler. But when, when this team had to have a play, when 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 A&M was making a run or Kentucky made a run three or four different times, he was the guy that, that went and made the play for Tennessee, whether it was a jump shot, whether it was a floater, whether it was that one-handed scoop. I mean, he made the play. A, how good was he this weekend? And B, how much better does that make you feel like about Tennessee's chances if he's playing the way he played offensively? Yeah, I mean, he – I mean, you, you said it best, best ever. I mean, when Tennessee needed something, I mean, Kennedy is the guy that got it done. I mean, Josiah had a great weekend. Santi had a great weekend. But when Tennessee's back from to the wall, you know, Kennedy Chandler is the one that, that pulled something out. Um, I think the biggest sequence of the whole weekend was there, what was it, about eight minutes left against Kentucky when they cut it down to, to eight. I mean, you know, you knew the run was coming. I mean, it just felt like that in that building. And they get it down to eight. Their fans are going absolutely bananas. I mean, it's it's starting to feel like, uh oh, here it comes. And then you know, Rick calls the timeout. Kennedy comes out of that timeout, gets two buckets immediately, back to back. And you know, it certainly there were certainly some tense moments after after that. But if he didn't get the you know those two and push it back to twelve, I mean, I think Kentucky's. You know, I I, I don't think that steamroll slows down. How much does Kennedy deserve credit for, for how far he's – I mean, obviously he deserves credit, but maybe how impressed are you with how far he's come 
particularly since that Texas game. I mean, there was a lot of, there was, I'm sure he was hearing it. A lot of people were talking about, you know, disappointment as a five-star. I know his numbers weren't, and, and, and Rob, I know you never felt like you, none of us never felt like he was quoted disappointment, but there were a lot of people who were, were super critical of the way he was playing and where he's come the last 12 or 13 games to me uh, is, is really impressive. What, what do you make out of his growth and, and, and why do you think it clicked the way it's clicked? I mean, I think it shows, it says a lot about his maturity, man. Cause I mean, Ben, you, you've been in there in practice. I mean, that dude is not an easy guy to play for. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's not, he's not, you know, Vol fans see him at, you know, at Vol calls or on, on his television show, making fun of Bob Castling and goofing off and, you know, he is a mean dude <laughs> during practice. I mean, and that's I, I I give Kennedy a lot of credit for being able to take the kind of coaching that he's gotten. Because you know, you might know what you might think you know what you're signing up for. Yeah, you, you came to a couple practices where you were on a visit and you know saw him yell at, at Josiah or whoever, but once once that's all rated down on you and you're 18 years old, that can be tough to deal with, man. And I get I mean, but I think Kennedy has figured out that, you know, hey, this guy's a resource. I know, you know, he knows a ton of basketball, and I, I think he has really, you know, I'm not saying he was never uncoachable. That's not the case at all. But I think he has really started using Rick as a resource. I mean, you know, your stories about him on, on the team bus, like, you know, watching film together on on a laptop, you know, driving to the airport or um, you know, driving, riding back from Vanderbilt, things like that. And I think, he Kenny's just grown up, I think. I mean, it's not just the scoring. I think he really, really has taken strides on the defensive end and in knowing what his responsi- responsibilities are as far as running a team on the offensive end. Does he come as – for either one of you, both of you, does he come as far as anybody on this team? And, and I know he plays more minutes, so maybe there's a greater sample size. But has he come further than, than Huntley Hatfield from where they started – you know, and the expectations and what he's doing right now. Has he come the furthest of anybody on this team, or would you give that to to Jonas who you didn't think would play at all or, or Brandon or, or somebody else? Go ahead, Ben. I, I would say it's Kennedy. I, I think he's come the furthest, and not that the others haven't come far as well. I, I just think Kennedy is playing that well uh, to, to where even though he was being productive the first half of the year and, and had some good games like the Colorado game and, and some other performances here and there, I, I think he is playing such at a high level right now that that gap between beginning of the year Kennedy Chandler and SEC tournament Kennedy Chandler uh, that had NBA draft people buzzing about him over the weekend. Uh, I, I saw one talk about how Kennedy Chandler helped himself as much as anybody over the weekend in relation to the draft just because of how he performed and, and on such a huge stage. Um, so that improvement from beginning of the year to SEC tournament is greater than uh, the improvement that Brandon Huntley Hatfield or, or Jonas Adu has taken, in, in my opinion. And it's just been his all-around game, uh, defensively, uh, offensively, leadership. You see him talking all the time when earlier in the year, uh, you, you never heard him talking. You you never heard him talking in practice. You didn't see him talking during the game. And now he does talk during practice. He he is constantly in his teammates' ears uh, in, in the game. And his shots are, are falling. Obviously, the free throws have, have been an issue. But uh, his, his all-around game just has taken a huge, huge step forward. And he deserves a lot of credit 
for that, going back to your last question for, for Rob, and I thought Rick Barnes kind of summed it up perfectly after the game on Sunday, is that he, he just takes the coaching. And uh, Rick joked that he, he walks past him like his wife <laughs> uh, walks past him when he's spouting off at the mouth or, or voice, uh, voicing his uh, frustration with whatever it may be. And, and he's just really taking coaching. And, and I, I think his improvement ha- has been just incredible throughout the year. I, I never thought, like you said, Brent, he was disappointing at the beginning of the year, but I didn't think he would be the MVP of the SEC tournament by the time things were all said and done. Uh, I don't think anybody's on Kennedy's level, but I'll tell you, a guy who's gotten better that I had completely written off and didn't think he would be a factor is Eurosh. I In November, I hated seeing Eurosh go into a game. Just gross. And now, I mean, you know, he's not a great player by any means, but he's productive. And I mean, he gives them what, what they need from him, you know, which is a big guy that is not remotely afraid to go in there and, and bang and throw his body around. He's, he's improved as a rebounder. I mean, he's still, you know, foot speed is not ever going to be his strength. He's going to get beat to spots. But he has turned into, you know, a, a serviceable, serviceable big man. And I, I didn't think we would ever see that. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he has moments where you go, yes, and he has other moments where you're just like, geez, catch the ball. Uh, but at the same time, too, he is a guy who causes problems defensively for other big men, and and he's carved out a role. And I think that's the bigger thing about this team when you look at it at the end of the day is that a, a number of guys have carved out a role on this team, which has made – uh, the sum of their or the whole better than the sum of their parts in, in a lot of ways, which leads me to this question. Before we get into seating talk, we'll get into that in just a minute. But before we get into that, not talent wise, Rob, but is this team better equipped for the NCAA tournament than the 17 18 team with, with Admiral and Bone and, and, and Grant Williams that, that went to Ohio and played and, and got you know, beat over time? It's hard for me to say that because I, I mean, golly, that team was so good. I had so much respect for those dudes. But this team's guards are so much better. Is I mean, this team really better are. defensively across the board? Yeah, I would say so. I, I would say so. Maybe I, th- I think that was really good, too. Um, you know, Jonas doesn't play enough to be a Kyle Alexander equivalent. I mean, he could give you those same kind of things if he was playing, you know, 20-plus minutes. But, you know, having Kyle as a rim protector w- was a big deal. I don't. Eve didn't play much on the 1819. Did, did he? I mean, what, what was his role? I mean, was he, was he getting much. regular minutes? I mean, he wasn't sparingly. Yeah. He wasn't, a, you know, even as great of a defender as he was. I mean, that's the, that's the, is that, that's the year Rick tried to start him a bit for a few games and it just did not work. Yep. Um, when he, so when, when he was, was rocking was his volleyball he was, knee pads. That was before he was really a factor on defense. So I would, I just think the guards on this team are, are so much better. I mean, Kennedy, Josiah, Santi, Zakai, uh, I, I think way, and, 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 and again, I, I I love those dudes, but um, I think they're better than Bone, Admiral, and uh, Jordan Bowden and Lamonte. Even though Lamonte was an assassin, but I mean that's and I think that's a mouthful saying that these these guys are better, but but I, but I believe that because those were four good guards. Yeah, I mean that team was. Re- I'm not I'm not saying which team's more talented. Which team's better built for tournament? And I, I you, say the, you hear, I you say hear maybe, guard play, guard play, guard play in a tournament. Yeah, I, I agree. Is this team better equipped, better built to make a run in the tournament 
than that team was was. I would I would you know with a gun to my head I will say yes just because of the guards. Okay, Ben, you you buying that? Uh, yeah, but kind of going a different route. I I just think they're playing better basketball right now than that team was entering the tournament. I I think that at peak of powers that that particular team that beat Gonzaga that season, I think with them playing at that level would beat this team because I think they have more pieces and you can trust the post more than you can uh, with, with this team. And I do think that these set of guards are better or maybe, maybe not better, but you have more guards than, than that team. But uh, Jordan bone, Lamonte Turner, Jordan Bowden in, a, in an emergency situation was certainly serviceable. So I do think at peak of powers, that team would beat this team, uh, particularly with how they played against Gonzaga. But I, I think what's most important with this team is that they're playing much better entering the NCAA tournament than that team did. Uh, kind of similar to this Auburn team this year. Uh, once they got ranked number one, they kind of fell off for for whatever reason. Uh, and they, they just weren't playing the way that they were to get that number one ranking. And, and this team has kind of, been the opposite of where they took their lumps real early and they got better throughout the season. And, and at the end of the day, uh, that's the most important thing that you can ask for or, or, or hope for as a coach going into the NCAA tournament. But uh, I, I would say so uh, just because the, the guards that Tennessee has right now, there's more of them. They're, they're playing at just a high level as Lamonte and Bowden and bone was going into that tournament. And, uh, I, I do worry that that thought that Rick brought up today or on Monday in his press conference about, yes, guard play is important, but you got to be able to, to, you know, have a post player or a post presence as well. That worries me about this team going into March. They, they've been playing pretty good as a whole the last couple of games, but can they continue to do so? Because there's not one post player that Tennessee currently has that, you know, game in and game out what you're going to get from that player. And, and that kind of worries me going into the tournament. Is that your biggest worry, Rob? Oh, by far. I mean, it's been it's been your worry for 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 I mean for all season long. It is you know on a night where you can't throw it in you know the perimeter, can't throw it in from the ocean. If you have one of those nights, how do you find points, right? Yeah, I mean because they just don't have it. I mean, I've, and I I'm not trying to trash the kid, but I've I've stopped expecting John Folks to be that guy. I mean, I thought he had a really nice game on Sunday, but they beat Kentucky. He didn't make a shot. You know, I mean, would you have thought that was possible for this team if I told you that, but like, you know, back in, in December? No, not, not at all. You know, which again, I, I think that you, you love the guard play, uh, but you do have concerns about whether or not, you know, if it's a night where the guards get in early foul trouble or you have an issue, how, how does that affect this team from a scoring standpoint? And can their defense carry them enough in the tournament through uh, offensive droughts if they have those, you know, when when the ball's not going in, as it did on Sunday. I mean, when, when Mississippi State went to the zone, it, it took it took them media timeout to media timeout to, to kind of figure out how to attack the zone, and it didn't matter because, hey, State wasn't making shots, and part of that was and largely part d- due to the fact that Tennessee defense was great all, all weekend long. So um, this team's better defensively because I think they defend the perimeter better and, and can close out on shooters better. Uh, but if, if somebody's great in, in the post, you know, offensively, I don't know. But I do think this team is a better defensive team than that team we were talking about earlier because they defend better on the perimeter than, than that team did. Um, 
we'll see how it affects them. All right, let's talk about the, the elephant in the room, and that's the seeding, Rob Lewis. Uh, it doesn't matter, okay? Let me let me say this. I mean, Tennessee's a three seed. You go play, you, you go play your bracket. I don't think it's a terrible bracket for Tennessee to get to weekend number two. Um, I, you know, I think the region that they're in is tough, but I think when you get to the second weekend, Rob, it's supposed to be hard, right? I mean, if, if you're going to play in the Sweet 16 and a chance to go to the Final Four, if you can get to the Elite Eight, it's not supposed to be easy. There are rare no. occasions when the bracket opens up for you and it's an easy path, but it's not supposed to be an easy path, right? And yeah, but I mean, to me, the seeding thing, it's, it's all about just a lack of respect I mean, for what this team did. I mean, I don't think there's a huge difference between being a two and a three, as a lot of people have said, but to, I just think it's a perception thing, not getting the recognition for the body of work that you did during the season and, and seemingly having like what you did recently be dismissed, you know, with the, with the way you close and that. Just in, in the matter of perception, I mean, I, I don't, you know, I don't know that there's a high school prospect out there that's thinking any less of Tennessee today because they're a three seed and not not a two seed. But I just think that, you know it it sh- it showed a lack of respect for for the for the kids, the coaches, and the program and what they did this year. Well, and I think there's a real lack of understanding how this process goes about. And and I think and Ben jump in here as well. That this is the thing that bothers me. And again. I guess I'm old, so I, I grew up hearing about, you know, it's what you did in your last 10, right, and, and, and what you did against quality opponents or your conference and this, that, and the other. I don't know why we're talking about quad one wins and why we're talking about quad whatever losses or bad losses when seemingly those didn't get factored in in the metrics in all of this. And, and that's the part, whether it's Tennessee, whether it's whoever it is out there from a seating standpoint, that's the thing that that I can't I don't understand is why do we talk about all the analytics, but yet based on some of the seeding things that went on, it doesn't appear like the analytics carried nearly the weight that we all hear that they're gonna carry in, in January and February. That's my biggest thing. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. And ultimately Tennessee got a better draw as a three seed than Duke did as a two seed. But like Rob was saying, it's just the principle of the the whole process and it seemed really flawed especially when it came to Tennessee and it's not Tennessee fans just having on orange colored glasses and and thinking that their team got robbed I mean when all of college basketball's national media members are are all sticking to the same talking point that Tennessee got robbed Tennessee got robbed and it's just the basic principle of of the process that was flawed how do you look at Duke's resume and look at Tennessee's resume and think that Duke is a more deserving seed than Tennessee? And then to uh, trot people out there and try to have them explain the process and, and they're just searching for words just to fill up a, a minute's segment. I mean, it, it looks ridiculous. And then Gary Parrish has on uh, somebody who's involved in the process and he's spouting off what Wisconsin did this and did that. And, uh, how many quad one wins they had, and Tennessee had more quad one wins than Wisconsin did. So uh, they, they supposedly don't look at the last 10 games or kind of what you're doing when you're going into March anymore. And I think certainly that proved to be the case. But also they, they talk about looking at the whole body of work. But when when you look at Duke or or you look at Kentucky or Auburn, Wisconsin, I just don't understand how you do look at the whole body of work 
with Tennessee against those teams and come to the conclusion that Tennessee's was worse than all three of those. I mean, Kentucky and Auburn, Tennessee was 1-0 and against Auburn, 2-1 and against Kentucky. You also had wins over Arizona, over Arkansas, uh, several good wins. You, you didn't lose a single game outside of the quad one. Uh, half of your games were quad one, and you had a really successful record in that, better than Duke, better than Wisconsin. The, the strength of schedule was where it needed to be. Uh, all the metrics were where they needed to be. So uh, it, it's just it, – it's the perception is where they swung and missed. Rob, did Tennessee get a better draw as the three where they're at? You like oh, that? I li- yeah, I, I think so. I mean, just like Ben said, I would – I'd prefer this with it being in that – that West bracket is is brutal. I mean, I think Arkansas could win that region. Texas Tech, the three seed, could win that region. Um. I, if I'm Tennessee, I'm I'm not unhappy about who I'm, you know, what my path to the Final Four is. I'm just, you know, unhappy that the the committee, you know, kind of like like we, like we're talking about, just just kind of disrespected what what they got done. Makes it. it I, I think it was a pretty special season. You know, special season deserves more than a three seed. And, and I don't want to take anything from winning away from winning the conference tournament, but but. How should conference tournaments be handled moving forward if you're not going to factor those into the equation, Rob? I mean, if, if based off this, I'd, I'd rest everybody. You know, what, what, why, why risk somebody rolling an ankle and, you know, not being available next Thursday or next Saturday? I mean, what's the point? Well, it helps, it helps your conference if, if, you're, if your teams that already have their ticket punched are, are not participating in the finals because it's going to get you an extra team in the conference. I mean – I mean, I, I mean, the ACC benefited from Virginia Tech beating Duke because it got them an extra team in that wasn't going to get in but when the weekend started. Um, yep. You know, now what does that mean? I don't know. I mean, I, I think the other thing, too, and, and Ben, Rick Barnes alluded to this. Rob, you could jump in here, too. I know for TV purposes it's going to be hard to do, but I do think the SEC has to look long and hard about moving their championship game, trying to figure out a, a way to get it to Saturday because it is a quick turnaround. If you're going to play on Sunday and then you got to play on Thursday, I mean, you're coming home washing clothes, packing, and you're going back out the door. Uh, that, 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 that's a tough turnaround to get ready to play um, if you're going to get you know, one of those Thursday-Saturday regions coming off of a Sunday win. I don't know if it'll ever move, Rob, but that's something this conference well, desperately I, needs to look at. I agree, and I, don't, I mean, it's easily doable. I mean, you see it happen all over the country. And not only that, if you're if you're good, if you're a high seed, you're playing against somebody that's been off for ten days. You know they're rested, they're healthy. I mean, you know you're, they're still going to be an underdog, but they're also going to be a lot more rested than you are. The SEC just can't have a situation where a team like Tennessee, who has as good of a resume as anybody in the country, they enter the weekend viewed as a three seed, and then they leave the weekend after winning the tournament, beating Kentucky. And they leave as a three seed after they entered as a perceived three seed. They they just can't allow that to happen. And I kind of think the bigger issue is that the SEC is as good basketball wise as I've ever seen it. And I know I'm younger than you all, so you all can speak better to this than I can. But it's as good as I've ever seen it in, in my life. And it doesn't feel like that respect is reciprocated throughout the country. And I, I thought that that's what was reflected on on uh during the selection show the big 10 gets respect these other conferences get respect but sec was arguably the best conference this year 1a 1b at minimum with the big 10 and 
it certainly didn't respect with ten or didn't reflect that with Tennessee seeding and with A and M not making it. No, it certainly didn't. So we'll see what happens. Rob, can this team run it to New Orleans? I mean, you have to say yes. I mean, they've already beaten the number one seed in this region. Um, I don't think any of us would would wouldn't would not agree that they are a much different team than the one that Villanova took behind the woodshed back in the second week of the season. And um, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't go out and bet the house on it by any stretch of the imagination. But but this team, the way they're playing defense right now, the, the guard play that they're getting, yeah, they could they could do it. Be fun to watch and be interesting to see what happens starting on Thursday in Indianapolis. We'll have full coverage of the first and second round of the uh, the first weekend of the NCAA tournament as Tennessee takes on Longwood in the opener. Again, full coverage of that coming up throughout the week to get you ready for that. The Tennessee baseball team um, opens up conference play this weekend. They take on South Carolina. Uh, we'll have coverage of that as well. Uh, ben, real quick, in just a couple of minutes here, as this baseball team enters conference play, better than you thought they would be, where you thought they would be, not what you thought they would be as South Carolina comes to town. Better, better. I, I thought this would be an NCAA tournament team. I kind of said that all along, that that was kind of my minimum expectation until I saw this team. But this team has the pitching depth. It, it has the depth in the lineup to make it to Omaha again, quite frankly, if it if it can all come together. I, I truly think they're one of the better teams in the SEC, and that's without Blade Tidwell, their best pitcher coming into the year, and without Seth Alverson, who is going to be an impact transfer for them as well out of the bullpen. So uh, they're better than I expected. Again, they, they can make it to Omaha uh, for, for back-to-back years. Well, they've thrown it well. They've hit it better, certainly really well, uh, in, in terms of the hitting for power. We'll see how that translates when you get into the SEC schedule. A South Carolina team that was perceived to be struggling, and all they do is go out and take a series from Texas over the weekend, uh, which sets this thing up to be one heck of a, of a season opening weekend at Lindsey Nelson Stadium as Tennessee and South Carolina kick off the SEC slate coming up in Knoxville this weekend. Coverage of that, coverage of basketball, always coverage of Tennessee football coming up uh, throughout the week as well. A couple of uh, football pieces to get you ready for spring practice, which starts one week from today. So lots of things going on, lots to talk about at VolQuest.com. That's going to do it for this edition of the Smoky Mountain Organics Podcast. For Ben McKee and Austin Price, I'm Brent Hubs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody. been listening to the VolQuest podcast every week here on VolQuest.